right, all right. Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody today? Praise the Lord. Great to see everybody. It is Father's Day, so we will be honoring our dads. Amen. And so we are blessed. As we've said, we have a church full of godly men, godly dads. And if there's one thing that the the world needs in 2021, there's a lot of things, but one major thing is godly men who are raising their kids in the ways of the Lord. And so we are uh, celebrating our dads today because they're doing it the right way and they deserve it. So let's give a great big hand clap for our dads. Amen. All right. Well, if you've noticed that uh, it's not that hot in here because we have six AC units. So let's give the Lord some praise today. Amen. Six AC units. And so uh, we will be cool from here on out, man. We don't uh, have anything else to worry about with that. Uh, they're all six are up and running, plus the lobby makes seven. So it'll be nice and cool in here no matter what. Well, let's go ahead. We're going to stand up together today, and we are going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America. Amen. Because who believes that America is coming back to Jesus? Can you believe that with me? Amen. We boldly proclaim that. Amen. So let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. You may be seated. All right. A couple of quick announcements here. Then we're going to get into some Father's Day festivities. And, uh, and we got some blessings and some gifts for all the dads. But I do want to remind you, we talked about this Wednesday night, that our janitorial department needs some extra help. And you're like, hey, what's up with that? Well, hey, it's a, a big property, 13 acres, three buildings in use every week. And so it takes a lot of hands to keep God's house clean. And as we said the other night, apparently you guys like God's house to be cool because, hey, we've got six new AC units, but we also want it to be clean. And so if you are able or God's laid it on your heart, we have a sign-up sheet at the info booth. And uh, you could sign up and, and you know, it's not, not much, just, you know, we put on a schedule maybe once or twice a month or whatever your availability is, and we make it happen. So praise God, we need all the help we can get to keep God's house clean, all right? And then another quick announcement is starting this morning, uh, we began our Lyft Bible class, all right? So that's exciting. So every Sunday morning from 9 to 9.30 in the office building, it's right across the parking lot there, um, Austin Brady, there's Austin right there, he's going to be leading a Bible study class for us, and you know, kind of a Sunday school class, where we will take a different chapter each week from the book of John, just read it, study it, talk about it, you can ask questions, you can meet other believers and connect, and it's a great small group Bible study time, so I'm really encouraging you uh, to go to that class next week, 9 to 9.30, all right? And my final reminder is this, there is no 
p.m. service tonight, okay? So uh, usually we have Sunday night service at 6. No 6 o'clock service tonight. Just go home and uh, celebrate with your dad. Who's going to go barbecue something with dad today? That's what I'm doing. Come on, yes. Who's going to go listen to some really corny jokes for the rest of the day because your dad's really good at them? All right, thank you very much. Very good. All right, speaking of that, we started kind of an HDWC tradition last Father's Day, and there, there's a lot of things that dads are known for. Uh, I mean, a lot of things. Uh, uh, one is every time the house door opens, they rush and, and, and slam it closed. We're not trying to air condition the whole neighborhood. Close the door, all right? I never understood that. Now I'm a dad, and I'm constantly closing doors nonstop. I, there's open door. People are praying for open doors. I don't have to pray. Doors are open to me all the time, all right? That was a dad joke right there. My bad. I, I didn't see that coming. So anyway, uh, but hey, praise God. Another great thing about dads is they have the best, worst jokes in the world, all right? And and at High Desert Word Center, we've got no shortage of dad jokes. And so I've got uh, just a, a handful of my dads this morning that are going to share some jokes. Uh, you know who you are. Dads, if you've got one of the jokes, you come on up right now. Thank you. Come on up. Thank you. Let's hear it for some of these dads, all right? Nick. Nick Alva, Nick Alva, Nicholas, Sabrina, wow, these guys are tuned in, Sabrina, Nick, it's dad joke time, Nick, come on, (laughs) he's like, hey, I got time for that, all right, so, you know what, praise God, Uh, we want to celebrate our dads, and, uh, and listen, you guys may know these guys uh, as your, as your church brothers, but they're also godly dads. And they've got great jokes that, you know, and, and listen, like like every dad joke, even if it's not that funny, you've got to give a courtesy grunt or a courtesy laugh of some kind just to make it better, all right? So we'll just, we'll start down here. And remember, courtesy laugh if it's not that funny. Please laugh if it's not that funny. This is not my joke. <laughs> Where do you learn to make a banana split? Sunday school. Okay, so I'm going to do this to embarrass my kids, and they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Probably the younger, probably the younger generation too. So I'm going to, I'm going to. Okay. Okay. How do you, how do you follow Will Smith in the snow? You follow Fresh Prince in the snow, or you follow Fresh Prince. Ah, ah, ah. Okay. What did the ocean say to the beach? Nothing, just waves. (laughs) There we go, there we go. Okay. Why do dads always take an extra pair of socks to the golf course? Just in case they'll get a hole in one. Okay. What does a tick and the Eiffel Tower have in common? They are both parasites. Get it? They are both parasites. Thank you, thank you. They'll be here all week. They'll be here all week. You can come back. <laughs> all right, very good. So, I like that. That was good. The Fresh Prince, did you get that? The, how do you follow Will Smith in the snow? 
you follow the fresh prince. Anyway, praise God. All right, well, we'll leave that alone. Uh, what we're going to do now is actually honor our dads, not just put them on blast like that. So can we have every dad that is here come on up? We have a gift for you, and we want to celebrate you. So all the dads in the house, all the dads in the house, you come on forward, please. Amen. Let's hear it for these dads. Yes. Amen. And we have some new dads this year to the dad club, right? Thomas being one of them. This is first Father's Day getting to be part of the club here. All right. Very good. Every dad, every dad, come on up. Very good. Katie? We've got more. Yeah, we'll start down here. All right. We got Tom. All right. Very good. So we are going to honor our dads today. So what we have here is... We've got a basket full of gifts, and each dad can just grab a gift out and uh, and uh, uh, take that, all right? And we're going to ask the dad, what's your name, how many kids you have, and that's it, because we don't have time for you to say a whole lot more than that, all right? So, <laughs> so praise God. Sir, tell us your name and how many kids you have. My name's Joe. I have three kids. All right. Let's hear it for Joe. Very good. All right. Excellent. All right. Sir? Your name? Lawrence and I have four. Lawrence and he has four. There we go. Come on. Here for Lawrence. All right. Sir? My name is Drew and I have three. Three kids. And raising my tribe on Jesus vibes. Let's hear it for this t-shirt right here. <laughs> That's what's up right there. All right. All right. And then, sir, we all know and love this man. What's your name? Raul and I have four. Raul and four kids. All right. Very good. Frank and I have three kids and a lot of grandchildren. All right, very good. Love it. My name's Austin and I have one child named Seth Patrick Brady. Yeah, there we go. Seth, he's the man. All right, sir. My name is Jesse and I have three. Jesse and he has three. All right. Oh boy. You got to keep an eye on this guy or he will throw you out of here, okay? Yes, sir. My name is Robert, and I have four. Robert, and he has four. All right, very good. Like I said, we have a new addition to the dad club. So, sir? My name is uh, Thomas, and I have one. Yes, all right. New dad. Very good, very good. All right, my name is Jose, and I have three. Yes, three. Three little cruises, cruising around the church. My name is Tom. i got three. All right, thank you, Tom. I caught that. They just and let me tell you a little secret. Mr. Tom over here is like, I hope they don't ask grandkids because I can't remember how many I have. <laughs> All right. Tom, how many would you estimate that you have? I, I, I come up with eight, but I, I think I Okay. <laughs> he thinks he has eight grandkids. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, let, let my brother finish here. I'm Josh, and I have four kids. All right. Very good, very good. Four seems to be the going rate around here at High Desert Word Center. I'm Alex. I have five boys. Five boys. Five boys. All right. Grace and mercy. Hallelujah. Mike, I have two. Woo, let's hear it for Michael Jackson with two kids. Come on. <laughs> Cletus, I have two. Cletus with two kids. All right, sir. My name is Blake, and I have two kids. All right. Very good. Very good, sir. Uh, Walter, I have seven. Seven kids for Walter. All right. Hey, there we go. Good answer. Good answer. 
All right. You may have the you may you're in the lead now over Alex. Michael and I have three kids. All right, Michael he has three kids. All right, sir. Name's Nick and I have four kids. All right, four kids. That's it. That's it. All right, very good. Well, dads don't go anywhere yet because um, our children from the children's church, children's ministry. They have made some gifts that they want to give to the dads. So let's go ahead, Leah, if you're ready with the kids. All right, come on, kids. If you're one of the kids, come on up, and uh, we're going to let you give your gifts to the dads now. All right. Let's hear it for the kids. So what they're giving the dads is they've got a a package of popcorn, and it says, Happy Father's Day to a great pop. And then uh, they've got some uh, questions and answers on here that the kids answered about their dads. Um, For my youngest son, Sam, it says, My dad is so strong that he could lift a Sam put house. I'm very proud of it. Thank you, Sam. Yeah. Uh, My 10-year-old son, Isaac, put, My dad is so strong he could lift a football. Like, okay. Well. <laughs> Thanks for the vote of confidence. All right. <laughs> all right. So did all did we get all the gifts passed out from the kids over there? All right. Very good. Let's hear it one more time for our dads. Hallelujah. We celebrate them. We honor them today for raising those kids in the ways of God. Amen. You guys can be seated. Very, very good. Very good. Amen. All right. Oh, and I have four kids. I have four kids. I guess I never answered that myself. So, four kids. Thank you, buddy. All right. Even more popcorn. And so now all the kids can uh, be dismissed over here. Is that right? They're going to their classes. You're going to line up at the wall over here. Very good. The kids can go line up at the wall over there. Amen. Good deal. Thank you. Who's grateful for all of our little kids around here, man? We are blessed. We are blessed to have a vibrant children's ministry. Sometimes it surprises me how many kids that we, that we actually have over there. So we are really, really blessed. That's a good sign when a church has a lot of kids, right? That means, hey, we're planning for the future. <laughs> Very good. Well, as the kids are lining up, I wanted to take just a minute this morning And we're here to honor all the dads and celebrate all the dads. And most of all, we're here to honor and celebrate our Heavenly Father, right? Because we do that every week and every day. That's the number one Father that we have. But I also want to take just a minute and honor our spiritual dad here at High Desert Word Center. So can we hear it for pastor samples this morning, my dad? Amen. 
Praise God. Yeah, let's give him the standing O. Come on, we can give him the standing ovation. We, you know, I, I'm blessed to have him as my father and my dad in this natural life, but he's also been a spiritual dad to me as well and to everybody here at the church. And, uh, and so we are super appreciative of him. And, um, and so we just got a, we got a gift for him. I want to give him this morning. Dad, come on up. We want to honor you. We got a card and a gift in it for you. Praise God. And, you know, the verse that comes to my mind is Jeremiah 3.15, where God promised, I will give you pastors after my own heart to feed you with knowledge from the Word of God. And so that's what my dad's done for all these years, faithfully feeding us with knowledge from the Word of God. And as Jeremiah 3 said, a pastor after God's own heart. And, you know, as we get more and more into the end time, some of these things that maybe we've taken for granted, we'll start to realize to truly have a man of God that feeds you with knowledge from the Word of God. A pastor after God's own heart, that is a hot commodity. That is a good deal for us to have. So anyway, let's hear it for pastor again this morning. Amen. My dad. Your spiritual dad, but we love our pastor. Amen. All right. Very good. You may be seated this morning. Amen. And we're going to go ahead and take up our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. So what time is that? It is happy time. Amen. And why do we call it that? Because God loves a cheerful giver. If you need an envelope this morning, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. We're going to open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Can we hear it for the word of God today? 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Amen. And I'm going to be in the NLT here. 2 Corinthians 9. And we're going to look at verses 6 through 8 in the New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And this whole uh, passage is talking about giving, the giving of an offering. And so the Bible talks about tithes and talks about offerings. Those are two different things. They're not the same thing. A tithe is 10% of our income, and that's clearly laid out in the Old and New Testament. And then there's the offering, which is, hey, I feel like I want to give something extra, and that's between you and God. The Bible doesn't tell you how much to give in an offering. It tells you how much to give a tithe, but it doesn't tell you. You just give what is on your heart. So look at this, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. It says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Well, hey, if I'm a farmer, I want the generous crop. I want the larger of the two, right? But verse 7 says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. We're not giving because we're pressured or someone made us. Why? For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Do we have any cheerful givers in the house today? Amen. Amen. Cheerful givers. And then look at verse 8. And God, as we do that, will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Who likes leftovers? Hey, chili is better the second day around. I, I mean, you can't even argue that fact. But listen, God says that when we are givers, when we are cheerful givers, he will always make sure we've got everything we need and plenty left over to share with others. That's the will of God for our lives. So let's determine that we're going to be givers, we're going to be cheerful givers, and we're going to reap the harvest that God wants us to reap. Amen? Let's stand up together today. We're going to speak some words of faith over our giving. 
And then we're going to get into some praise and worship. Then pastor's got a great word for us this morning to encourage the dads. And he knows a lot about being a dad because he's been one for a while, okay? So it's going to be a good word for us today. Let's speak these words of faith over our giving together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. After you drop your offerings off, feel free to join us at the altar for praise and worship. Arise, my soul, and remember this. He took my sin, and he buried it. No longer I who live, now Jesus lives in me. For I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light. Save my soul, all else is lost. The grip of fear has no hold on me. So where, oh death, where is your sting? No longer I who live, now Jesus lives in me. Save my soul, all else is lost. The grip of fear has no hold on me. So where, oh death, where is your sting? No longer I who live, now Jesus lives in me. For I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light. Let's sing this. All, all of this for your glory. All, all of this for your glory. Oh 
Lord, we love you, we adore you, we magnify you. You're greater than anything that the world's facing right now. You're greater than anything our nation's facing right now. And Lord, you're greater than anything that we as families, as individuals are facing right now. And Jesus, we know that the Bible tells us you're the head of the church. And the church is a reflection of heaven when they're walking with you and walking right. And Lord, we know if there's ever a time, if there's ever a time that the people of the world need to see what heaven would be like, it's now. And you told us in Isaiah chapter 60, you said, Arise, shine, for your light has come. You said that these last days, darkness is going to cover the earth. That gross darkness, the people... <clears throat> but you said they'd come running to the light. And then, Jesus, you told us in the Gospels that we're the light of the world because it's you in us. So as we share your word today, as we see things today, I just want to thank you, Lord. People aren't going to leave here and say, oh, that was a wonderful sermon. But they're going to leave here and say, wow, I see what to do now to change myself to be a better Christian to be a better dad, to be a better mom, to be a better to be a better son, a better daughter. Lord, that's what we want to do. We want to do the best we can with what you've entrusted to us so we can have a positive effect on the hurting, confused, addicted, messed up people all around us. Thank you, Jesus, that this is going to be a happy Father's Day for you because we're going to glorify you. But Lord, thank you that we're going to show the men of God that are here this message online and here in person, how to have a happy Father's Day every day because their families are walking to the blessing of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And happy Father's Day to all the dads for sure and all the moms. <clears throat> And everybody else that has a man of God in your home, we're so grateful for that. And thank you for the honor a while ago. I know that for me, I was thinking I was worshiping God right then, that I know that uh, for my life, I know that it will make my Heavenly Father happy if I do what He gifted me to do. And my calling is to change people's lives with the Word of God. My calling is to help people live a victorious Christian life. And I was thinking this morning... Well, I was in my prayer closet at home uh, back in 1995. I've been a pastor for three years, and we were trying to clarify for people to know exactly what our ministry is about. And we spent we spent about a week had a, had a great woman of God who pastors down in Florida now, but she was a traveling minister to help pastors focus on their vision. And we spent several days meeting every day, praying and looking looking at how God had gifted me, how He wired me. 
and what he called us to do to make sure we always stayed on focus. And we determined that of all the different types of ministries there are, there's evangelistic ministries that they're on the streets doing things. There's uh, missions ministries that all they do is have missionaries in and go overseas and do things. They're all God calls. They're all good things. And then uh, there's a lot of ministries they focus on feeding the poor and, and helping unwed mothers and all kinds of things like that. But then we determined that our job was to equip God's people for a victorious Christian living. And then we got here to California. Uh, my lovely daughter, daughter-in-law Katie, uh, decided, well, Pastor, you're talking about families all the time. Why don't we modify that to equipping God's families for a victorious Christian living? And the whole point of that vision is this. There's a lot of people that come to churches that feel they're called to specific things. And so as we equip you for a victorious Christian living, for you to know how to be led by the Spirit of God, for you to know how to do what God wants you to do, and then to have his backing to do it, if we equip you and you feel called that you're to feed the poor as a primary part of your life, then we'll equip you to walk in victory so you can feed the poor and work with them. If you feel you're called to the mission field, as we equip you with God's word, how to live a victorious Christian life, then you'll be able to go into the mission field and walk in faith and walk in victory to accomplish God's purposes. You see what I'm saying? And if you feel called into politics, that God wants you to go into the political arena to help affect people in our government, then you'll be able to do that with victory. So in other words, what we're doing today is going to be able to talk about equipping families. We're going to talk about dads. But things we're going to talk about, you'll see they'll apply to women. They'll apply to children, teenagers, and everybody else. But we're going to zero in on the dad part. But the things we talk about will work in everybody's life. And the main thing is, God wants you to succeed more than you do in what's on the inside of you. Amen. Everybody's not called to be a pastor. But if you are, we'll equip you to walk in victory, first of all, in your home. So when you try to show somebody else how to live, they'll be able to look at you and say, wow, I want to be just like Dylan. Or I want to be just like Austin. Or whoever it is, because they'll see victory in your life. If you're a supervisor on a job, we have a lot of people in supervision and own their own businesses and things like that. And in your business, if you walk in the love of God, and how to walk in faith, at the same time, be able to control what goes on in your business or whatever it is you're doing, then people will want to be just like you if you're a person that walks in authority but walks in love and accomplishes what you say you're going to accomplish. Amen? So that's what we want to do in the ministries, always help people know how to walk in victory and what they do. So today, it's how to have a happy Father's Day every day, every day, every day. And, you know, I think about uh, Mrs. Pastor and I. You know, we've been married before, but between us, we have eight children. And our eight children are succeeding in life. They're godly people. They're doing what God wants them to do. They're not addicts. They're not alcoholics. They're not perverts. They're people just like you and just like me. But I attribute that to the fact that Mrs. Pastor and I wasn't perfect, 
but we did our best to walk with God. Did our best to role model from the Word of God what it was to be a Christian and how to live. Amen? And so that's what we want to do, show you how to have a happy Father's Day. And guess what, moms? If you've got a, a husband walking with God and he's a happy father, you're going to be a happy mother. Amen? Amen. And for the kids, kids, if you've got a dad that's walking with God, and he's a happy father walking with God, guess what? It's going to make life better for you too. So that's the things we want to look at. I want you to look at Psalms 128. <clears throat> Psalms 128. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to say this. What, what, what's, what's the title today? How to have a happy Father's Day. So let me tell you one thing that will help. We are faith people. And some of you look, at, look like we're at a wake. So practice putting a smile on your face when you come to church. Amen. And, you know, Pastor Dave says, uh, he heard somewhere, fake it till you make it. Well, if you, walk on, if you walk by faith, what's on the inside will show up on the outside. Amen. So let's practice happy face. Very good, very good. Besides that, it makes it easier to preach, too. <laughs> and so how to have a happy Father's Day. And I, I, want to, I, I want to say a couple of things I wrote down this morning because they're really going to be pertinent. Christianity at Christian families under attack like never before. Why is that? Because according to the Bible, the Christian family is supposed to be a reflection to the world of what the Garden of Eden was like of what heaven's like. We're in the last days, and as Christian families, we need to know God's ways for our family and walk in those. My pastor, Pastor Landry, before, before Dr. Barclay was, Pastor Landry was my pastor from 1980 to move to heaven many years later, but he said something that always stuck with me. He said, don't preach against something, preach for something. Don't preach against, preach for. And so I think about Christians today in the time we live in, they're focusing on the counterfeit instead of on the real. And so I'm not going to get into all the different stupid things there are going on in society today that we know are wrong. The world's focusing on all the wrong stuff and what talk about what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. The Lord told me back in the fall of 2000, it's, it's not in that book there, but that book, that book that we wrote, he told me, he said, start acting like him and quit looking at what's wrong, look at what's right. That's what we're going to do today, we're look what's right. And so there's a whole lot of wrong within our country today, and we hear about it all the time. So I'm going to talk about the real, according to the holy written word of God. And, you know, I think about that counterfeit thing. Uh, I heard the example years ago, and I, I, I presume it's true. It sounds to me like it ought to be true. said when people go to work at the bank, the tellers said they never show them counterfeit money. They have them close their eyes and fill and fill and fill and fill what real money looks like. They look at it, they know it, they know the real. So as soon as a counterfeit gets in their hand, that hey, something's not right. 
This isn't right. And so we as Christians, my heart's prayer today is so strong for you and for people watching that this won't just be so that was just so good. We went to our church. It was so wonderful what the Father's got. If we're going to get our country where God wants it to be, you've got to change. I've got to change. You know, Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to the world. But be transformed by renewing of your mind so you can know the good and acceptable, perfect will of God so you can know. And then it's not just knowing, it's changing and doing it. Amen? We can't ignore what's out there because it's smacking us in the face every day. And there's so much stupid going on that if you say something, what the Bible says, your love will get fired, slammed, slandered, and everything like that. I'm going to focus on the Bible. I'm going to say what the Bible has to say. And in doing that, I'm going to live it the best I can and change every day to what God says to the real and not the counterfeit. Amen? And so we're going to look at the real, the genuine, the holy written word of God, and then talk about some points in this. And the whole purpose being, if you're walking in God's will and God's ways, you're going to be happy. You're going to be satisfied. And then your family, your family will follow your example. Amen. And you're not going to have a whining, crying, perverted family. You're going to have a family that walks in the blessing of God. I'm, I'm going to get this, read this, but I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, one of the ladies at church wanted to come and, and talk to Mrs. Pastor at home, so we ended up having lunch together. And she is thank, thanking us for our example, how we've walked. As we sit there talking, I did not realize how many times I walked away from money and jobs because it's going to take me out of the will of God. It's going to take me away from church. It's going to take me away from the call of God. And so I walked away from lots and lots and lots of money. Matter of fact, we came here. It uh, be coming up real soon. My birthday weekend of 2005, we came to California to sit by being pastors of this church. Well, at that point in time, I'd been a pastor for a lot of years, but went through a lot of financial problems back in Indiana. Eventually, the church fell. And that's, that's, that's sad to say, but it did. At that point in time, I had a whole lot of truck driving experience as a Teamsters truck driver, and we were broke in the middle of a transition. And I had a chance for three different Teamsters jobs. And my brother was a big, was a, was a big shop for Teamsters in Indiana, and all I had to do was pick up the phone and say, hey, I'd like you to help me get one of those jobs. And praise God for a good help meet. I was so close to doing that, my wife said, no, don't do it. You'll get in trouble. And she needed money, too, because we were one. Still had two kids at home. And so I chose to say no to being led by money and natural security. And I chose to follow the word of God, the plan of God in our hearts. And guess what? What long after that, here we are in California. And we're pastors. But my, amen. But I'm saying I didn't even think about those things. This lady was talking to her, just talking about life and different things. And so I'm saying, after that, 
God started leading my family out here, one by one. Family starts showing up, working in ministry. It didn't just happen or something just happened. Or aren't you lucky? What did he lucky? It hurt the flesh not to have money to meet needs for a season. But praise God, we chose Jesus. We chose Jesus. We chose Jesus. Is our family happy now? Yes, our family's happy now. Was our family happy that season? No, my family wasn't happy in that season. It wasn't fun being broke. But praise God, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. He comes to have life and that more abundantly, so we stuck with the word. Every penny come into our house, God got 10% of it. Everything that came in, we stuck with the word, we stuck with Jesus, and here we are. And so uh, we're, we're, I think, a little bit qualified to show you how to follow Jesus. And just remember this, never, ever, ever focus on where you are. Look to Jesus, the word of God, where he wants you to be, and faith will get you there. Amen? Psalms 128, and remember this, God's word is God's will and God's ideal plan for all of mankind. You can't do it yourself. You've got to follow the plan. You can't just build a house out of your head. It's nice to have some exact measurements, have the right materials, and qualified people to help you start building that house. Well, God's more than qualified. The Bible's the plan, and God gives you teachers to show you how to follow the plan. And so Psalms 128 says, <clears throat> Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children, like olive plants, round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, that means grandchildren, and peace upon Israel. And so what God's doing here, he's describing in detail his desire for families that choose to do things his way. I want to say this again. This is God's desire for families that choose to do things his way. God's got a plan, but in this, he gave some very specific instructions about our part in the plan. You know, something that unlearned Christians that haven't been taught the Bible don't understand, God doesn't just do whatever he wants to do. God set up a system as a system of faith. As a system of faith, Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So number one thing is, God always, to be able to do what he wants to do in your life as an individual, as a family, in a church, in a business, in a nation, anything in the whole world that God wants to do, the Bible already tells you how God wants it done, how he wants it done. James 1.22, I, you know, I say a lot of verses, but I don't, I, I don't look at them because we've got too much to do, but you need to write every one of these verses down 
and make sure you know these for your life to live them. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And so, so many people say ignorant things like, Well, it must not have been the will of God. No, if it was good and he gave it to you out of the Bible, it's the will of God. But if it didn't work for you, then somewhere along the way, you missed something God didn't. Because he's the same yesterday and forever, and he never changes. So he says, be doers of the word. That means when you see in the Bible God's ideal for your family, for a husband, for a wife, for children, to enjoy God's best, if it doesn't come to pass in your life, maybe somewhere you decided that's too hard. He said to those that reverence the Lord and walk in his ways, it takes faith. It takes faith to praise God in bad times. It takes faith to come to a church faithfully when you think everybody else is perfect and they've all got to go on their lives. They don't have any problems. But then, as you mature as a Christian, begin to realize they've got the same problems I do, except they've learned how to cast their cares upon the Lord. They've learned how to not worry, but to walk in faith. They've learned how to say, by his stripes, I am healed while they're believing God for the healing. They've learned how to say, I'm going to faithfully tithe consistently, even when things look like it's absolutely broke. They've learned how to say, I'm going to love my ex-wife, my ex-husband. I'm going to love my boss. I'm going to love that rebellious employee in spite of how they're acting. They've learned how to walk by faith, not by sight. That's all things that God told us to do in the Word of God. If you're going to walk in His ways, you're going to start doing those things when you see them in spite of how you feel. And you're going to, instead of saying, you hurt my feelings, you're going to say, praise God, I walk in love, I endure long, I'm patient and kind. This is 1 Corinthians 13 talks about. I take no account of the evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. I'm ever ready to believe the best of every person, even that person right now that's trying to destroy my life, trying to destroy my family, trying to steal from me. I'm going to be the best of every person. Why is that? Because 1 Corinthians 13 says love never fails. Love never fails. It says God is love and God lives in me so I can walk with the God kind of love. And then like Jesus said on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And when you're a man or woman of God walking in his ways, the best thing you can do for people trying to hurt you is pray for mercy for them because there's going to come a point in time when mercy on their life is going to run out because they can't keep attacking a righteous man or a righteous woman get by him with it. And so a lot of times those attacks you're going through is because God's having mercy on the one doing the attacking because he knows if things don't change, you've got to judge it. And so in the meantime, you're supposed to be a man or woman that God knows how to walk in his ways. You keep on walking right, loving right, and doing right because you, you can say from the bottom of your heart, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because I know, I know I'm your child. I know you love me. I know you said that, uh, that that vengeance belongs to you. And so, Lord, I just want to thank you right now. I'm praying for mercy for them. 
And Lord, thank you. I've got the grace to go through this thing until it's taken care of. Amen? And that's what we're talking about here, these blessings he has here. So anyway, this is his desire for families. And so notice, the first thing he said, blesses everyone that feareth the Lord. That means you reverence him. And it says, you choose to walk in his ways. You choose to walk in his ways. And so you make the quality decision that whatever you see in the word, in the Bible to do, you're going to change your lifestyle and habits to conform to what you see. You're going to change. And, you know, I think, I think about, about we as Christians, no matter how long you've been saved, no matter how long you've been born again, no matter how well you know the Bible, if you are a person that sincerely reverences the Lord, you're going to read the Bible freshly, listen to sermons like this freshly, like, wow, Lord, I want to hear something. I want to receive something. And then when you do, you're going to suddenly think, wow, I've heard that lesson. I've heard this subject taught so many times. I never saw that before. All of a sudden you see something, and that's what it means to reverence the Lord, walk in his ways. You change. You say, Jesus, I thought I was doing what this verse said to all the days of my life, and I was to the best of my ability, to the best of my knowledge. But the Bible says that God will open your eyes of understanding. Jesus said, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. All of a sudden, your ears picked up a sound they didn't hear before. And, you know, I know that for me, it's amazing living out in the country like we do with no, no traffic around us, no city noise around us, at nighttime where the lights are out, how loud a clock two rooms away with the door closed, you can hear ticking. Yeah, I've got clocks that tick-tocked. I didn't know how much they, what are you guys laughing at? I'm not talking about my gongs. I've got, I've got several clocks, and I have a wonderful woman of God that heard from the Lord one time and gave me a beautiful cuckoo clock from Germany. And Nadine, it still works very well. These people here it cuckoo it every time they come over. And then I stop, I look at the little men dancing around the circle, the things happening. But what I'm saying is this. When you're in the city, there's a lot of sounds you can't hear in your own house because of the noise around you. And so as a Christian, if you're reverencing God and walking in his ways, you get quiet before him. You come to church services with a hungry heart. You're going to hear something you never heard before. And the good news about it is this, God doesn't hold you accountable for what you don't know. He does hold you accountable for what you do know. And so suddenly you begin to hear something in the word of God in your spirit that resonates, and you think, oh, wow, oh, wow. And instead of saying, that's hard, that's hard, that's hard, your words will control you. Instead of whining about how hard it is to do what God says to do, Say, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Lord, you show me that. I see that. And I can do that through you who strengthens me. So in the name of Jesus, I'm going to start doing this part of the word of God that I've never seen before. But I know it's right. It's the Bible. Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And I will change. But if you turn it into a whiner, Say, why did God tell me that? 
He told you that because he wants you to grow so he can bless you more. Amen. He said, blessed is every man that fears the Lord. Are you going to fear men? Are you going to fear God? Amen. Are you going to reverence God more than what other people think? I'm going to reverence God. Why is that? So the rest of this psalm can work in my family. Amen. Somebody can praise the Lord or something. You've got to change your lifestyle. As you grow, you've got to change things. You've got to start more and more conforming yourself to the Word of God. Verse 2. Verse 2. He says, For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, shall be well with thee. And so when you're doing verse 1, reverence of the Lord, walking in his ways, he said the blessing of God on your life will be your paycheck. What you do for a living, even if you're self-employed, will be more than enough. Isn't that what he said? He said the labor of your hands, your labor? He said it will be more than enough to meet all your needs, and you'll be happy and enjoy life. I want you to get this. And, you know, I'm really a nice older man now, but I'm nice. And because I'm nice, Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about ministers, says, speak the truth in love. I'm going to tell you right now, one of God's ways is to be a person that pays 10% tithes to him. And so, if I were you, and things wouldn't work with my paycheck or what I do for a living to meet my needs, the first thing I would check is this. Am I faithfully giving God 10%? That's called walking in His ways. That's called reverence to the Lord. You can check all the things you want to. You can talk about how good a person you are, how much you don't do all the wrong things that other people do. But God said, when you're doing verse 1, that verse 2 is, said the labor of your hands will be more than enough. And you know what? That makes your family happy. We're talking about having a happy Father's Day every day. He said, you'll be happy. It'll be well with you. And we're talking today about how to have a happy Father's Day every day. And Psalms 128 tells you about what the family is, what it's supposed to be. And so he said... Happy shall thou be. What's the opposite of happy? Sad. Depressed. Fearful. What are we going to do? Well, God says right here, you'll eat the labor of your hands. Your income will be more than enough. You won't be, have to work three or four jobs. That's not God's best. If you have to do that right now, then just keep on doing what you know to do for Jesus, and that will change. It'll turn around because God wants you to be able to be available to your family. Amen. He wants you to be able to go to church regularly. He wants to turn things around. It says, Happy shalt thou be, and shall be well with thee. And then verse 3, it says, Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, Thy children, like olive plants, round about thy table. Doesn't that paint a good picture? You know, God always paints natural pictures to give you spiritual understanding. And I think about 
Well, being being Mrs. Pastor, she'll never talk me into it again. This is the last time. The last time this time. This is the last time. You've heard me tell year after year, we're not planting any gardens anymore. Well, this year she had the surefire plan. I got a nice place. I went down to Home Depot. I bought the fanciest, best guaranteed garden dirt they ever had. Bought the best seeds they ever had. And we got it rabbit-proofed. I thought that was the only problem. I got an automatic timer. Good water supply. Bought rabbit fence. Got railroad ties. Everything all secured and in there. I put wire under the ground. I put wire on the ground and around everything. All set up to go. There's no way rabbits could get it this year. Had the right dirt. There's no way they said it wasn't the good dirt. Little plants started coming up. Everything going good. Little plants go away. All of a sudden, the plants are all going. Nobody told me about lizards. So we have a nice place. Fenced off. Rabbit fence. Rabbits can stare at it. They couldn't get anything. Now they just stare at the dirt. And so what I'm saying, that's not, that's not a picture of a fruitful vine. So Mrs. Pastor and I aren't going to do it anymore again again. I've preached that sermon year after year since we've been out here. But every year she's got a better plan. I suppose next year she'll show me the lizard-proof plan. Is there anything else out there I need to know about anybody? <laughs> anyway, anyway, this picture here, God said, your wife will be like a fruitful vine. That means she'll produce to get to be the things that a wife and mother is supposed to be. If you're the man that's fearing the Lord, walking in his ways, he says, that's how your wife's going to be. She'll be fruitful too. And, you know, I want to say something. I'm not going to get off into all the stupid stuff America says about families because America's wrong. God said that if the husband lines up first, then the wife will follow. Said husband, said you fear the Lord, walk in his ways, and then says wife can be fruitful then if the man's doing right. And Mrs. Pastor and I talk about ministry and things that God has for us to do. She says, I know I can't do anything till you tell me what to do for what God has for us because I know that the Bible says you're the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And so I'm backing you and I'm waiting on you. And so husbands, this is what we end up at that little bit. You are the head whether you like it or not. You can live in denial, but your family will suffer. And so I decided years ago that if God said I was the head, I was going to walk as the head. Amen. Not be mean, not be dictator, but to be the one that heard from God so we can pull together and lead our family right. Amen. And so God says, your wife is going to be fruitful. And said, look at your children. They're all playing video games, walking the streets, getting drunk, selling dope, living in sexual perversion. That's not what he said. He said, your children will sit around your dinner table. That's what God said. God said that. 
And that's if the husband just goes out and does what he wants to do, never comes home. He's always out playing sports. Always out running around with the guys, never shows up. No, he said, husbands, said you reverence the Lord and you walk in his ways, and this is the kind of family you'll have. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. This is the word of God. That's what he said. And so your wife will be contented. Your marriage will be very, very satisfying. And your children won't be rebellious addicts to smartphones, video games. But they'll sit at your dinner table where you all have fellowship and can actually talk to one another. Isn't that better than sitting there saying to text each other from one room to the other? And then have to monitor what are they watching, what are they doing? What if they monitored you, Dad? What are you watching? What are you doing? What are you playing with? Moving right along. And so, verse 4, Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. He said, this is how the man will be blessed that feareth the Lord. I'm so grateful that when I got born again on January 29th, 1980, it was a real conversion. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues on February the 4th, 1980. Well, why are you saying that stuff, Pastor? Because God became real to me. Jesus became real to me. And because spiritual things became real to me, I remember President Truman. He was the first president that I, when I was a kid, President Truman was president. And they, they said that he had a sign on his desk that said, the buck stops here. And what that meant was this. How many know that every politician pretty much we ever hear of blames what's going on on the last guy? And then when they finally get voted out or die out or whatever they do, then the next guy blames what happened on them. They just always point at the last guy. Well, I knew for my family, the kids that I had and the future I had, I was not going to blame it on my dad. On how I was raised. I was not going to blame it on my, my wife or anybody else. I said, whatever happens to this this bunch of kids I've got, whatever happens, I'm not going to blame somebody else. The buck stops here. And then I remember, I remember, as a very young Christian, in the spirit, I stopped. I pointed my hand out in the spiritual realm for the devil. I said, Satan, the sample's curse is broken. There'll never be an alcoholic, a thug, or a crook in my house. My kids are going to follow me as I follow Jesus, we're going to be a godly family. If anything's going wrong, I'm not going to look to who caused it. I'm going to point at me. I'm going to say, that guy in the mirror right now I'm looking at, you will change, mister. Because the Bible says, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, that children imitate their father. If you don't like the way your kids are, maybe you better look in the mirror. 
And then I just say for me, and I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on the Word of God. I'm bragging on His promises that come to pass if you obey the Word of God. Is this, I can look in the mirror, I can look out here. I look at these two sitting right here. I look at these two sitting right here. I look at all those grandchildren that are upstairs in different places at Children's Church. I can look down in Georgia. I look down in Florida. I look at Indiana. We got kids anywhere else? Where else are they? New York. <laughs> I can look at all those places. I can look in the mirror. I can say, Jesus, thank you that your word works. Thank you that my children around the country are following me as I followed you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so grateful. I don't have to do what I saw my dad do. I, I led my dad to the Lord. He's in heaven. Let my mom to the Lord. She's in heaven. But I remember my dad and mom, no matter how much they made, they couldn't keep it because it's always getting somebody out of jail. I was always having to buy somebody another car because they had a drunken wreck and wrecked a car. All the things that happened, the curse was broken when I received Jesus because I chose to walk in the blessing and walk away from the curse. I want to say it one more time. You can either be a loser or you can be a winner. A loser always blames somebody else for the problem. A winner looks and says, no matter where the attack comes from, whatever happened, I'm the one that God called, God anointed to lead this family. And so these things that are hitting us, I may not have caused them, but I'm the one called to use my faith to get rid of them. Amen. I told you, I want to help people today. I want you to see things and, you know, I just, I don't know how to say it. But there's a prevailing spirit in the country today to always blame somebody else for your trouble. And always try to try, always try to way, try to way to find to say how unjust, how fair it is. Let me tell you something, guys. There's a spiritual warfare going on. Satan is not fair about anything. Satan's the one the Bible says divides. He's the one that deceives. He's the one that's the accuser of the brethren. He's the one. He's the one that's the schemer to destroy your family. And he will always, 1 Peter chapter 5 says, he will always, always, always go about seeking whom he may devour. Bible says he throws fiery darts in your head. There's lying spirits. That's going to tell you that your wife did something wrong that your husband did something wrong, that your kids are losers, that you can't do anything right. Well, in the natural, those things are probably all a fact, but in the spiritual, it says we're sons and daughters of God. It says we can do anything and everything in the name of Jesus. And so we need to start recognizing the spiritual warfare. What's fair about life in the world we live in today Probably nothing. What's fair in the kingdom of God? Everything. What's right in the kingdom of God? Everything. The kingdom of God never changes, but the kingdom of God within you changes things. 
Amen, amen. And so he says, Blessed the, thus shall the man be that feareth the Lord. And so God repeats himself in this verse here when he said in verse 1, To qualify, you the man must reverence the Lord and line up your life with his word. I want to say that again. I learned off Brother Hagin years ago, years ago, in him teaching ministers, but I said under him at ministers' conferences things, he always said this, God always has a standard for ministry in the Bible. Shows us what the standard is. And I said to be able to be blessed by God in your ministry, you've got to qualify. And said the whole thing about it, it's just like high jumping. Anybody ever do high jumping in school? We used to, but I don't know if they still do that stuff. We did back when I was in school. And the thing about it, every time we cleared the bar, we didn't win. They just raised it again. And we thought, wow, look at that, man. I, I went that high. Then they raised the bar. That's the way it is in the kingdom of God. God keeps raising the standard. So Brother Hagin said, if you really look at this all the way through, none of us qualify. He said, what do you do? You keep coming back and learning more qualified for where you are. You keep qualified. You keep qualified. And so God tells us here what it takes to qualify to have a family like this. And so we need to keep changing. God's word is God's will and his plan for your family to be blessed. And so the, to enjoy the blessings described in Psalms 128, I want to look at this coming in the home stretch, Colossians chapter 3, just some real simple things to show us how to walk in the light of Psalms 128. Colossians chapter 3. And, you know, I, I want to say this about simple verses like this in chapter 3. They're simple, but they're not fruitful unless you do them. It's so simple. You know, I, I think about the Word of God that in our lives... God never tells us something that's impossible for us to do. Maybe impossible in the flesh or in human reasoning, but in the spiritual, if you begin to live out of your spirit, then these things are really, really simple. And uh, I just want to say, fathers, husbands, wives, and children, this is God's simple instructions, simple instructions from his word that he expects you to live by if you want a happy home. If you want a happy home. You know, there's an expression that we use, that I use all the time. I got it written down in my Bible in different places. Choices have consequences. Tell you what, that'd be a good time for you husbands and wives to bring the great tape out of your home. Is winning that stupid argument that you don't know what it was about tomorrow, is winning that argument today worth losing your family? Even if you're right, you're wrong when you bring strife in. You know, the Lord told me years ago about faith. He said before you can learn the language of faith, you better learn the language of silence. It's very, 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 and I can speak from experience. My wife and I have a wonderful, wonderful uh, marriage, but I know my kids have been around long enough, and my daughter-in-laws and sons-in-laws, that sometimes to see the wonderful marriage not sound too wonderful for a few minutes.
But then you know what we learned to do a long time ago? We get over the stupid and laugh real quick. But the older I get, the more I've learned that she's always right. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. We have to start doing what the Bible says to do to keep peace in our home. And so, if you want a happy home, choices have consequences. Is it worth winning that little battle to lose the war? And we are in a spiritual warfare. So, Colossians 3, verse 18 to 21 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto everybody else and keep your husband out of it. We're talking about how to have a happy home that God can bless. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things. This is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And so, for Psalms 128 blessings to have that happy, peaceful home where everybody is getting along, things are fruitful. Wives, verse 18, pray for your husbands. Love him. Trust him. Encourage him to make decisions to lead the family. Encourage him to make decisions to lead the family. And I want to say this. You are anointed to help. He's anointed to lead. lead. Give him space to lead. That's hard to do for a wife that has a dumb butt husband. Where'd that come from? (laughs) It It came from on purpose. I could have measured those words, but it's true. If you're married to a Christian man, and he's not taking his position, give him space. I know my wife and I, I've told, told this story, analogy that the Lord gave me years ago several times. I'll tell it in a condensed version. Some of you probably never heard of it. Some of you have heard it many times. Well, back when our children were little, we used to go to the Indiana State Fair a lot. And they had these Clydesdale horses. Anybody know what a Clydesdale is? They're about as big as an elephant. They're the biggest horse you ever saw. They're like work horses. I mean, their back's that high up in the air. And they, they got feet that big around. They're work horses. They, they, they can could, they could, they could move mountains. And so anyway, I had Joshua in one hand, Pastor David in the other hand, and we were walking around looking at things. We were in the horse barn. And we just go up from one big barn to the other out here, the place of the sheep, cows, pigs, everything else, we were in the horse barn. And they had these great big doors, and I had these two little kids in my hand, and we just would look at things, open the door, and walked out, and what I did, they had the Clydesdale parade going on. They had like six of these big elephant horses hooked up to these big stagecoach wagons, and I walked out that door and walked right into it, and all I looked was up. 
and I looked around. And at that point in time, I wasn't as brave about horses as I am now since I married a woman that loves horses. We've had a lot of horses. I wasn't very brave then. And so at that point in time, that wasn't a little dime horse at the store. This was real horses and a bunch of them. I looked up at them, and I had my two little kids there, and I froze. Man, I, you know, I was afraid of horses. I didn't know what to do. And so I was able somehow to back up and close the doors. And my heart <laughs> like that, those giant horses. But then the Lord talked to me about my marriage. He said, all those horses are equal in strength. He said, but one horse is the lead horse. And said, the wagon master has the reins that go to the lead horse. He gives direction to the lead horse, and they're all equal in strength, but then they're trained. The other horses follow the lead of the lead horse. The wagon master doesn't give directions to six horses. He gives directions to one horse. Then one horse begins to move according to the directions the other five follow. He said, that's how your marriage is supposed to be. He said, I'm not going to give the directions for the family to your wife. I'm going to give them to you. And then your wife's going to follow you and help you lead the family. And that's not to say that the wife's weaker, because she's not. Physically, she is, but spiritually, she's not. In Christ Jesus, women have the same spirit that men have, the Holy Spirit. Women have the same word that we have, the word of God. But the woman, according to the Bible, the woman is gifted, graced, and called to help. That's why the Bible calls her helpmeet. She's the helpmate. She helps. What does she help do? She helps the, the man of God lead the family. God gives directions to the man he gives the grace to the wife to help the man. Now, lots of everyday things, the wife is the main one that makes all the decisions. So many things in life, when it comes down to the direction of this family, God told me in no uncertain terms, in line with the word of God. He said, I'm the wagon master. You're the lead horse for your family. He said, I'm going to give you the lead what to do. Major decisions in life about houses, major financial decisions, Job decisions, where we're going to live, what we're going to do, the first one God's going to talk to is going to be the husband. If God's already put it in the wife's heart first, that's good. But the wife can't jump out and lead. Can you imagine what those horses would be like pulling those big wagons if five horses pulled against the lead? That might tell you why so many Christian homes are wrecks right now. Children are not anointed or qualified to make decisions on how you're going to raise them. You know, a direction that I, I was going to go to, the Lord gave it to me this way. When God talked to Abraham, God said, I know Abraham. I'm going to be able to bless him and bring to pass his life what I said I would do because I know he's going to command his children as household after him. And then the opposite of that was the priest Eli. 
Eli let his kids, his sons, his grown sons run wild. They had sex with the women outside the temple. They stole the offerings and everything else. Eli, because he didn't raise his children right, God said, Eli, you're not going to finish out what I called you to do. He was a priest. He said, you and your sons are all going to die. And they did. Because it says, Eli saw the evil his children were doing and says he restrained them not. He restrained them not. Dads, you can't be too busy making money that you don't stop and control those boys or those girls. How many here besides me were a young sinner dad at one time? You was a dad, you was a sinner. Man, these guys are all righteous and holy. How many of you guys were young teenage men and you weren't saved yet? This, this, this is just, this is a real service, okay? Sinner boys haven't changed. They see pretty girls. They don't want to just be nice with them. They want to get beyond nice. They want something else. So I'll tell you this, dads. If you got these sinner boys sniffing around your girls, you better take authority over it. I was a sinner boy in a sinner family. And sinner boys basically have one, one goal when they're around the young girls. This isn't in the notes. But this is the plan of God. Dads, because they've been around the world once or twice, but they see these boys coming around these young girls... Dads know by experience what's going on. If your daughter gets mad at you, if she throws a fit, I'd a whole lot rather have a daughter throwing a fit and getting mad at me and call me some names for a few minutes than have my daughter get in trouble and we have to live with the rest of our lives. Oh, I didn't want to hurt her feelings. And it goes the same thing for your boys, guys. Watch out how long your boys are hanging out that young thing, too, by themselves. How many has been there and done that? <laughs> We've been down that road before. And so who's the lead horse in the family? Husbands, fathers. God's given you the grace to lead. So Lead. Amen. You and your wife, even if your wife gets weak and says, oh, that's okay, he's a nice boy, or that's okay, they're just laying on the bed and they're at the door closed doing homework. Yeah, they're doing homework all right. Amen. I talk about having a happy family that's blessed. Amen. And so, uh, wives, you pray, give me space to lead. Verse 19. Husbands, love your wives, be not bitter against them. Husbands, treat your wife like a lady. Respect her as a daughter of God. She's God's daughter before she's yours, before she's your wife. Cut her some slack. When you walk in the door from work, this will be some good advice for all the husbands. When you walk 
when you walk in the door from work, don't overlook the dozens of things that she did to make your house a home and then find one thing to complain about. Wives, that's a good time to say amen. Thank you, Pastor. I want to say it again. Husbands, when you walk in the door, don't look around to try to find one thing wrong instead of all the things that are right. You know what that's called? The voice of experience. (laughs) Been there and done that. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in all things. This is well pleased to the Lord. And so you kids and teens that are listening and old enough to understand, if you want God's and your parents' blessing, stop talking back and sassing them. Stop talking back and sassing them. Learn some good manners like, okay, Dad, okay, Mom, I'll do that. We're talking to children now because you're part, you're part of the family. Learn some good manners if you want to be blessed, if you want God's blessing. Learn some good manners and just do what they say to do and keep your mouth shut. And then verse 21, this is where we close at. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. Fathers, you don't have to raise your voice, threaten or yell. You've got God-given anointing. You've got God-given wisdom. You've got God-given ability to lead those kids. You don't have to threaten them. Treat your children and your teens like they're children of God because they are. Because they are. Don't make them feel like losers. Show them courtesy, respect, and you will see them to grow into the men and women of God he intends they should be. So respect is a two-way thing. You have the authority. Walk in it with love. Keep your word. Do what's right. Have mercy when you need to. Change when you need to. But the main thing is, when you reverence the Lord and you walk in His ways, says your family is going to be happy and your family is going to be blessed. And so let's all make the quality decision today that we're going to change to be more like the man or woman of God God wants us to be. And we'll have a happy Father's Day and a happy Family Day every day in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Dave. Amen. Amen. What a good word for us today. I know as a as a dad, there's a lot, uh, lot to take in as we uh, look at Look at that. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I love that Psalm 128. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to have our altar team come on up. And uh, we're getting back in the swing of things. Last week is our first week uh, being able to offer prayer at the end like this. But uh, we're going to take a few minutes here. Josh is going to lead us in worship. And if you need prayer for anything, uh, you know, anything at all, we're here to, to agree with you and pray with you. You can come on up and receive prayer from one of the uh, anointed prayer warriors up here. Uh, but if, if not, man, just, just worship God for a few minutes and, and reflect on what he just spoke to us. Amen. Put my faith in Jesus 
my anchor to the ground I'm my hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down I put my faith in Jesus My anchor to the ground My hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down I put my faith in Jesus My anchor to the ground My hope and firm foundation He'll never Son to the setting, same I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. My hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down I put my faith in Jesus My anchor to the ground My hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down And I put my faith in Jesus My anchor to the ground My hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down He'll never let me down. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting same I will praise your name great is your faithfulness to me great is your faithfulness to me great is your faithfulness to me from 
the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. And great is your faithfulness to me. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the my hope and firm foundation, He'll never let me down. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. My hope and firm foundation, He'll never let me down. He'll never let me down. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. Hallelujah. All right. We're going to go ahead and close things down today. No, we still got some ministry going on here, so we'll be reverent to that. But was everybody blessed today? Did you receive from the Lord? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. We're going to close in prayer and uh, then do our Barstow Faith Confession. Remember that there's no service tonight, so just uh, uh, celebrate with your dads and have a great time with that. We'll be here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, so come on back and get filled up again. Who knows, man, you need that middle-of-the-week pickup. You need that Wednesday night fill up uh, to keep you going and keep you strong. Amen. Well, we're closing prayer. Then we'll do our Barstow Faith Confession. I'm going to have Katie close us in prayer. I was just thinking about she had my father-in-law, amen, was a godly dad. And so uh, she had an awesome godly man that was a big uh, part of my life. And uh, anyway, I want her to close in prayer and then we will do our Barstow Faith Confession. Amen. I did have an amazing dad and I can just tell all of you, we talked about dads a little bit on Wednesday. I can tell you guys you are doing a good job. So I just want to thank you, men, for loving Jesus. You're doing a good job. Amen. Father, thank you so much that your word is true and that you are faithful and good. Lord, I ask that as we strive this week to honor you and do our very best to obey all that we've seen in your word, that you would bless what we set our hands to do. And as we go out today and go our separate ways and try to honor our dads, Lord, Help our words to be an encouragement to them. Help our words to build them up that they would know that they are men of God, the strongest kind of man that there is. Thank you for blessing our lives with them. Thank you, Lord, for being a faithful dad. In Jesus' name, amen. She muted me. Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow, and then you can be dismissed. Amen. Let's say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. 
Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. See you Wednesday.